It's not the metrics that you leave behind. You know, the, everybody forgets very quickly whether you were green or how many months you were green. But you know, how many leaders did you develop in the organization and how many leaders kind of went out and spread their wings and had a, a very good career growth? Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast, the one and only platform for global business service leaders to share their experiences of building world-class shared service organizations. My name is Sashi Narahari, founder and CEO of iRadius, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm honored to host Steve Radaham, a GBS leader with 20 plus years of experience, leading business services globally across companies like Accenture, Capgemini, Genpak, and Kellogg's. Currently, Steve is serving as the head of global business services at Axonoble. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for the invite, Sashi. Looking forward to uh, a good discussion today. All right. So, Steve, let's begin with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your career journey. Sure. Well, as you can tell by the accent, I uh, grew up in the UK, but uh, I spent the last uh, 20 odd years living in the US and then just in the last two moved to uh, the Netherlands with Axonovale working out of uh, Amsterdam. So I started my career with uh, General Electric, uh, the GE company, and really what that showed me was was how to use Lean Six Sigma. I was a black belt and then a master black belt there. Did a lot of uh, transitions work and globalization, as they called it at the time, and you know, how do we offshore a lot of the work? This was within uh, GE Insurance. And after I'd completed that, they said, wouldn't it be a good idea if you went and ran it? So off I went to India. I went and lived there for three years with the, the wife, the kids, the dog and the cat all came with us. And uh, while I was over there, this was with Jekis. And Jekis actually then spun off into to Genpact uh, so it could serve external customers. So a lot of change and transformation going on, which was great to be a part of. Uh, then kind of moved back to run the Latin America uh, operations for Genpact. So very differing cultures, which was, you know, as I look back, it was exciting to be a part of. And then spent some time within both Capgemini and Accenture looking after the Americas uh, facilities, all of the operations there, but also continuing this theme with continuous improvements, Six Sigma and the, the transitions as well. Then I moved into... GBS or the shared services realm with uh, the Kellogg company and really how did we build up the the GBS, the shared services within Kellogg around the globe in in four different centers, Uh, was with them for a couple of years and then joined Axon and Bellas as they're really in the middle of their transformation journey as a whole organization and now leading a team of a little over 3,000 people across six delivery centers um, and with our outsourced partners uh, around the globe. So uh, it's always strange when you look on LinkedIn and you're thinking, well, I've got 25 years experience. It's uh, it's one of those, you wish you were younger than you were, but very privileged with the uh, the experience that I've had. Super exciting career, Steve. So it looks like not only have you been around the globe in so many continents, but also your experience is unique for this podcast because you were with GEVE and the whole concept of outsourcing started and with service providers and now as a GBS leader. So we're going to ask you the $6 million questions that every GBS leader would like to know. We'll start with the first one, captive center versus outsourcing. Steve, you have led major BPO operations 
as well as uh, being on the GBS leader side. So what's your perspective? Yeah, it was certainly fun going over to be a customer of BPO. So I'd obviously spent a lot of time within BPO selling that concept, delivering on that concept, and then going over to the customer side and having both the captive centers, but also working with, with the BPO operations as well. And for me, you know, this, this choice of the model, you know, do you go one or the other or do you, do you do a hybrid of both? It really depends on where you are with your journey. Within Axon and Bell now, we had a lot of the, the transactional processes that I think longer term have that ability to be automated. So, you know, that kind of made sense to look at what outsourcing partner do we look for that can help us on that journey as well. But then you have companies that look at the the shared services, their own captives, and the value add that they have within those roles. So things like analytics, the whole data management piece as well. So, you know, a lot of companies look at outsource first to scale, but to scale quickly as well. And there's that flexibility that you can add processes in very, very quickly. And the outsourcing partners have that, that knowledge within there. But I do see a lot of, of my peers as well that work with the outsourcing partners to begin with at scale, but then that, that is actually cut back as they start to bring in the value add in-house, but then also looking at where can automation come in. That's where the value is coming from the, the BPO operations at the moment. Understood. So let's go to the second question, Steve. So harmonize and standardize first versus the lift and shift. This is a very common debate among shared service leaders. What strategy to transition work? What's your take on what companies should do? There's an ideal answer here, but that's also a wish. Um, and then I think there's the practicalities of, of the worlds that we live in. And, you know, really, the I'll call it the dream answer is to be given the time and the resource to transform a process first and then shift it. Unfortunately, I think the world in which we live in is we see probably 99% is a lift and shift, is the companies, the shareholders, they want to see that, that value creation, they want to see those cost savings immediately, and therefore the lift and shift. But often the lift and shift is used to kind of like force that transformation as well. So you may choose to actually shift with less people. You may actually be forcing a, a centralization of processes that hasn't been through it in, in the past. So the challenge, I think, is that when you do this lift and shift, there is an expectation from both internal and external customers that everything is fixed. You know, give it to a shared service, give it to outsource or give it to GBS, and it will suddenly magically overnight all be fixed. And in reality, that doesn't happen. So I think you've just got to be very, very transparent with what the expectations are, what the roadmap is, and then what the metrics are so that people can see the, the journey that you're on. And then obviously, you know, change management is key. And within that change management, for me, you've got to communicate. You have to over-communicate up front, set those expectations. And then as you go through that journey and on that roadmap, Things are going to go wrong. You know, you're going to have metrics that are red. You're going to have invoices not paid or customers not collected, uh, you know, from or tickets within your HR function that, that haven't been addressed. 
But as long as you make it very visible with action plans behind it, that is how you you help that whole change management piece. And it is going to be different, obviously, by country and by tower as well. So, yeah, put it on my Christmas list for a transform first and then shift. But I think the realities that that hit you the day after Christmas, which is you're going to have to lift and shift and, and fix as you go along. I love the analogy. All right. The next question, Steve, is RPA versus foundational platforms. Many GBS leaders that I've even interviewed on this podcast and others struggle with scaling the number of bots and have had limited experience of optimizing. How was your experience? Can you make any recommendations on using RPA or any other technologies like AI and GBS? Yeah, I think on the the RPA side, the automation, it is a, a journey. And again, you come back to that roadmap that is that is needed to talk to your stakeholders on. And I think we have progressed because, you know, if I go back maybe, you know, four or five years, maybe sometimes even sooner, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors involved. You know, you've got a lot of companies that came in and said, look what we can do with automation. You can save, you know, productivity of 500 people just by using our automation. And what happens is your stakeholders and your superiors, the execs, get very excited when they hear those kind of numbers and then it suddenly go ahead and, and implement RPA. But there are success stories out there. We've started to use, um, certainly with things like Invoice, Invoice Inception, our outsourcing partners are using it increasingly with us as well. And there's always that question around the controls that's in there. It's not just about a cost saving, but it's helping to drive accuracy um, stability in the process as well, but also putting those those controls in place. So for me, there's definitely a place for RPA within GBS and within this, the whole shared services. I think we've certainly evolved from what was a big sales pitch a few years ago. We have got those success pieces that are out there, but it's not just about cost out. It's around that whole control, the accuracy and the stability of the process and making those transactional processes very repeatable and stable. Next question, Steve, is cost-cutting to revenue driver for the GBS organization. You have successfully executed both. Uh, You've also been involved in transformation strategies for driving revenue growth. Could you share with us your secret recipe for transforming GBS from a cost-cutting to a revenue growth strategy? A secret recipe? That sounds like something I could sell, Sashi, but... uh... For me, I think, you know, cost reduction has got to come first. If you deliver that by, you know, centralizing these processes, you get the metrics very much transparent and you get people understanding what's going on in the organization. That creates the the foundation of, of trust that's in there. But the cost cutting only goes so far. You've got to evolve your GBS model very quickly into how do you deliver value? And you do that by, you know, this transparency of the metrics, by data, by the whole value creation with analytics, predictive analytics within there as well. You talked about AI earlier, automation that's in there. So, yes, you know, cost reduction can get the, the train moving, can get it out the station, but it won't, it'll only get you so far, you know, down the track. So a lot of the peers that I speak to, they're at different parts of, of this journey. And sometimes it is over this overall umbrella of a transformation journey 
but ultimately, yes, you start off with the the cost cutting, but also the centralizing, I think is probably you know as important. That centralizing is then the ability to standardize. Once you standardize, then you can start look at, you know, how do I then transform? How do I make it more productive? How do I make it more visible? And then the, the value comes, you know, from that. That makes sense. It almost seems like as soon as you earn your kind of like credibility by cost reduction, stabilizing, you also have access to all the data and processes in a way. So you kind yeah. of have the front row seat view. So then you can look at other strategic options and work your way through them. Yeah, absolutely. Next question, uh, Steve, is... Uh, Core ERP versus modern cloud platforms. What's your view on the trade-off between, you know, the typical ERPs for the enterprise market is SAP or Oracle. And then you have these modern niche software companies, the companies like HiRadius and Coupa and others. When you think about the processing of these finance and accounting processes, how do you think about the trade-off between them? Yeah, the way I look at this is kind of a, a fit for purpose, I'll call it, around the key processes is... Most companies have kind of gone for this one-size-fits-all around a, a strategy like SAP. But what we're seeing now that there is a lot of best-in-class vendors that are out there, you know, and you, you've named some above, that they can complement, they can bring this quick transformation to the various processes around there. So there is sometimes, I think, a, a nervousness of going to these niche platforms, but I think what we've seen is there's been really good flexibility. It's been, again, back to the this concept of fit for purpose. We're certainly consolidating a lot of our instances into a, you know, a minimal amount, but we are continuing to look at who are those third-party niche solutions that actually complement you know, what's going on within the organization. So, you know, the the companies that you mentioned above, we've been working with, you know, all of those as to by process, what is the best fit for us? So definitely moving away from that one size can fit all. Last question, Steve, on a closing note, what would you leave your listeners with some parting advice? You've had some amazing 25 years of career, been in different types of roles. So maybe to a younger self uh, who's starting their career or maybe in the mid part of your career or even your peers in GBS? Yeah, I think that, you know, the nice thing within GBS is you get to deal with a lot of uh, different people, different cultures. And, you know, for me, it, it is all about the people. It's outside of the technology. It is about the people, ultimately. And I think that being in GBS, it's a great learning environment. I would strongly recommend it to anyone to spend some time within the, the GBS, the shared services, because the learnings you get, you know, globally cross tower are just, you know, incredible. And you get to run large scale operations, which is sometimes difficult in, you know, other areas of the business outside of, of manufacturing. And kind of to that point, I look at GBS as a talent incubator. And I think GBS leaders have got to do a better job of that, of positioning their people to the business. You know, they've come through a great learning platform. They are, you know, they're of that global mindset. They've got a lot to offer. And now we've got the opportunity to provide the best talent into the organization. But then how do we, how do we attract that talent into to GBS as well? And something that we do kind of like toy with within the GBS leaders, you know, peer group is how do we best market GBS both within the company and outside? It's often thought as this transaction processing back office. 
but it's way beyond that now with you know we've talked about a lot of the the value add that is there within the the data analytics for example the automation the continuous improvement all of them adding extremely high value to the business but it's also producing a lot of good talent within there so you know for me gbs is way beyond the, the the transactional processing it gives the ability to really bring a lot of great talent into the organizations as well absolutely and i do agree with that i think if you just think about even like somebody in like an order to cash process you get to look at the process across the entire company globally of a large fortune 1000 enterprise yeah how do you transform and make an impact in few years so the learning of that is way more than maybe just being in market in a in a role that could be a lot more tactical so how gbs brands itself as a talent hub where a lot of people are seeking could make a big difference but it's a win win right it's win for the company as well because you're getting able to attract the best talent and win for the individuals as well no absolutely and i think the legacy of a gbs leader as well it, it's not the metrics that you leave behind you know the everybody forgets very quickly whether you were green or how many months you were green but you know how many leaders did you develop in the organization and how many leaders kind of went out and and spread their wings and had a, a very good career growth so yeah that's how i look as being a gbs leader the legacy is is the people around you that you surround yourself with and help with their their career and their learnings as well all right this has been a very insightful conversation steve thank you it was a delight to have you on the gbs masterminds today great appreciate the time thank you That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.